This is the Epilog Audio Experience. Quick disclaimer for a podcast, the SOS show, points discussed in this podcast should not be relied upon as conclusive medical advice in any case. The host shall not be a substitute for proper medical professional. You must seek professional help in case of any requirement. Thank you. It's been tough on all of us with the pandemic, some more, some less. And mind you, we are still in the middle of the pandemic and it's not over yet. But the ones that have gone through real tough phase slash that are going through some real tough phase are the kids and the parents and especially the families living in small apartments. So today we're talking about parenting during Corona times and how it's affecting the world of the kids and the parents. And also we are figuring out if there'll be a behavioral change once the kids start facing the real world. Mind you, many kids are starting their first day of school, as we call it, virtually. So guys, today on the SOS show with me, Suchita, we have Mimansa Singh Tanwar. Mimansa is a clinical psychologist with the Department of Mental Health Behavioral Sciences, Fortis Healthcare. She's a cognitive behavioral therapist working in the clinical space using evidence-based treatments with adolescents, parents couples and families. She holds an MPhil in clinical psychology. As the lead clinical psychologist, she provides clinical supervision and assistance to psychologists to enhance therapeutic care across centers. She also heads the Forest School Mental Health Program with a sense of passion for enhancing the mental health in children. She has been a speaker at various national and international forums on issues related to mental health and is a TEDx speaker and she's co-authored the parenting book Raising Confident Children. Another very interesting book that she's co-authored is talking about mental health in the classrooms. So guys, enjoy the conversation. Hi Mamansa, welcome to a podcast, The SOS Show and thank you for taking out time and being part of this very important conversation. So to begin with Mamansa, I'm going to sort of ask you because you're a cognitive behavioral therapist and you use evidence-based treatments with adolescents, parents and couples. Just for listeners, Mimansa, just to, to, to get the terms right, how would you define evidence-based? So um, I think that's a very important question to start with, Sujitai, because when we talk about therapy mm. and when people hear that you're going to talk, what is it that you're going mm. to do by talking? So when we talk about therapy, let's first understand how is therapy different from a simple chit-chat that you would have with a friend or a parent. So since we are trained therapists, we provide a space which is non-judgmental, a space which is more accepting, a space in which empathetic listening is also a trained skill. So when we talk about evidence-based therapy, these are all skills which we are trained in as therapists. And there is a lot of research which is being done to be able to come up with some of these techniques on how we ask questions, on what basis we ask some of these questions, in which direction do we need to move forward. And that's how, and which is why it is called evidence-based treatment. So there is a lot of efficacy, Mm -hmm. which is tested around um, a lot of these uh, treatment, um, therapeutic treatments that we use as a part of our techniques. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Mimansa, tell me, because we're talking about and everyone's been talking about uh, soft skills in our day-to-day life and because we're having this conversation and you mentioned empathetic listening as a skill, it's something that's different from our day-to-day conversations with our parents or with our friends. 
do you do you do you see that everyone can develop the skill or is it something that you need to consciously go out and train yourself which you guys are trained for well this is a skill so you know anyone can get a training in that mm-hmm. in fact it is one of the very important things when we uh, talk to parents or even for 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 that matter for teachers anyone around uh, any adult who's around a child i think it's a very important skill that one needs to have to be able to know how to really listen intently when somebody is talking without interfering without jumping onto an advice you know how can we have that kind of a reflective listening which is possible which where we are able to show that yes i understand what you're saying this is not something that comes very easy we often say that you know um when you use words like yeah i understand i understand and you can't just use that as well like you know like your mantra mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. matter to say that you know, i'm i'm making an empathetic mm-hmm. listening but it's also about almost extending yourself into the person's uh, experience what the person is going through what they he or she might be feeling for that matter and how one is using listening over there as a skill to ask the next question as well where is it that you make a reflection where is it that you say yes i understand what you may be going through so yes it is a skill and it is good to have at least some basic skill for that matter um, you know whether you call it a basic counseling skill or even as psychological first aid you know um, this is something which has been talked about how peers how um, you know individuals need to also enhance their skill set when it comes to psychological first aid that you can provide to anyone who comes out to you with a problem sure mehman sir when we talk about enhancing mental health in children a how would you define mental health in children in terms of what are the gamut of things that it includes and b when you talk about children what's the age group we're talking about are we talking about 5 to 15 5 to 18 so if we understand mental health mental health mental well-being is about how anyone for that matter all age groups you know starting as young to whatever age that we are looking at you are able to really perform to your potential so mental health is not merely just the absence of illness mm. no it's about where you are able to also um see as an individual how you are able to best perform and contribute in your day to day life as well so which is why you know mental well being is on a on a continuum it's constantly there with us at all times so at when am i feeling good when am i feeling bad i may have a good day i may have a bad day all this is part of our mental well being mental health now when we talk about mental illness mental illness is where there are three components over mm. there which is the interaction of the biological the psychological and the environmental mm. which means that there is something to do with our chemical imbalances which is the biological component then when it comes to psychology we look at how we cope with stressors our personality how we look at different stressors in life and then the environment in which our family comes in school comes in peer comes in and and the community comes in so this is the interaction of these three things is where we talk about mental illness so when i talk when when we look at adolescent for that matter so 50% of mental illnesses begin as early as 14 mm. years and which is why awareness and early intervention 
in children is very important mm. so as parents even as teachers it is the need of the hour that we are aware of what is mental health and what is also not feeling very well when it comes to our mental health so a lot many times when we see a lot of behavioral changes in children a parent or a teacher may not be aware of where this is coming from but what one sees is the outset you no know, the behavioral changes so for example when a parent comes to us would say my child is not interested in things is lacking motivation is also becoming angry and irritable is showing some of these things we don't know what is wrong and that happens a little later in stage that you know a child may be struggling for a very long time with something like this and even with basic help with basic things the child has not been able to show some kind of an improvement over there the red flag needs to be you know needs to come into the picture that is is it something that my child is struggling with which is out of his or her control and out of my control as a parent and out of my control as a teacher mm. and which is where specifically in schools since i work a lot with counselors and teachers in mm. school training teachers in identifying signs of various mental illnesses and mental health related problems is very important because you see a child spends nearly 13 years of their life over there yeah. and that's where you can actually make a difference mm. correct so if we are able to identify something early on in life so many years which are lost when a child reaches to you something that starts as young as maybe 10 years 11 years 12 years but is coming to you when he's 16 or 18 years you've already lost 6 years not to say that help cannot be given still not to say that you know improvement cannot happen still of course all of those things can happen but of course it has its own impact on a child's self on a child's confidence on a child's self esteem who's struggling for this long period right right yeah this is a very important point identifying the signs of illnesses i think this is this is very important but i'm going to come back to this later also to two of your very interestingly titled books raising confident children and mental health in the classroom i want to sort of talk a bit on that later but just to sort of um, uh, identify a couple of things when it comes to parenting in the times of corona so tell me mansa kids have been stuck at home and you know god help them and of course everyone who's around them it's not it's not been easy for a lot of parents that i was talking about what kind of what kind of challenges uh because you kids have been coming to you and uh, and when i say kids i'm talking about 5 to 15 have been coming to you and the the parents have been coming to you a couple of challenges that kids are facing when it comes to uh the the pandemic and being stuck at home and their mental mental health so i think um i would begin by saying that the parents have been facing a lot many challenges in terms of how to manage mm. children so in the last 15 16 months that i've spoken to so many parents um some of the common challenges that they have been f- facing and also feeling whether this is normal or not normal is one children showing irritability mm. maybe a little bit of more hyperactivity than usual mm-hmm. or even the reverse you know feeling way too lazy than what they would usually showing lack of interest in doing their day to day activities having moodiness snappiness sleep issues problems and even for that matter sometimes parents feeling uh, that you know they are not listening to us anymore we are in coming down to a you know a wall every time 
turning into conflicts, small issues, and uh, also the increase in screen time. So these are some of the common problems that we are looking at what parents are facing as a challenge. Now, we look at different age groups. Mm. For young children, it is the immediate environment that matters the most for mm-hmm. them. And young, how do you define young? What's that? Young, when I talk about young, it's till, till the age of uh, eight years, mm. till, till nine years, because that's where they begin to have an interest more in peer yeah. uh, and peer interaction. So beginning by eight years, nine years is when peer interaction increases. Mm. But before that, for a child, any kind of engagement, even with the parent or any adult in the environment is as good enough. Mm. Because for them, it's about the play. It's for them about the stimulation. It's about the engagement. Mm. So as long as a parent is able to provide that kind of a stimulation, is able to direct their energies effectively into something which is creative, fun, playful, a, a child is comfortable enough. And specifically for children who's not even started going to school, for them, the first school is for, for, for uh, you know, it's just on, on the screen. Yeah. So, My God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's such a new experience for them that where we uh, seeing a teacher or so many new faces on screen and the child may not be feeling very engaged to sort of sit in for the class, which is absolutely normal. So a lot of parents do tend to feel fearful about that part as well, worried about that part that, you know, my child is not sitting for the online class. And I say that's absolutely normal. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like you have transition when you go to a school you use systematic desensitization, which means that slowly and steadily, you know, schools start with two hours and three hours and half a day. That's how you sensitize a child to a school environment. It's the same way how one also has to sensitize a child to this uh, new form of learning where they're sitting online. They may they may walk around, they may run around, they may peep in, and then they may, you know, feel a little curious, they may not feel so curious. And that's absolutely okay. Nothing to worry about it. Mm. And this is where uh, one needs to normalize a lot of these changes that parents are experiencing at this point in time. Let's ask ourselves, in last, you know, since the time the pandemic, as as adults, we've had an increase in our anxiety. Yeah. We've had an increase in our stress. Mm. For us also, our emotions have gone up and down. Yeah, We may find ourselves snapping or maybe feeling irritable over small mm. things. So for us, it's a normal response, even for children to have these changes in the behavior is an absolutely normal response. Yeah, just butting in here, Manta. So you're saying that it's uh, the responses that we have been feeling as adults uh, in terms of stress, anxiety, snapping. You're saying that this is something, um, it, it's, it's something okay? Or uh, do, you, do you say that there's a deeper reason for it because these emotions were always there the the frequency must have increased now you know so 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 what is it one thing that's causing it right now to sort of suddenly emerge there is a lot of uncertainty Mm. the situation has been unprecedented we have not been prepared to deal with something like this how can one not experience these emotions in the given context so it's perfectly fine to go through it and it's okay to burst it out Mm. Yes, but if one recognizes that this is happening more and yeah. more, which means stress levels are increasing more, your anxiety is increasing more than usual, you have to take some measures to be able to also keep those in check. Right. And which again lies with us, which means what is it that we are doing in our routine? How much are we cutting down on the news? 
which have been coming about the pandemic yeah. and the covid yeah. how much are we able to maintain our lifestyle which means so for example if earlier mm-hmm. from home to office we would go and our break would be listening to music while traveling now all of those small small things that would have a significant role to play have suddenly gone amiss yeah. so we need to bring back some of those things which means when you're transitioning from one activity to the other are you doing some of these simple things listening to a music talking to a friend mm. reaching out to a colleague playing with your child just pausing going on the balcony and just you know giving yourself some relaxation some breathing exercises unwinding before going off to sleep yeah basic still need to be maintained mm. not every time when you are wounded that you rush to a doctor so for us all of these simple things is our bandaid it's like our first aid that when you are feeling anxious when you are feeling stressed more you take care of all of these things at the basic level mm. if you still continue to feel that it is overwhelming you you've taken care of some of these basic things and also continue to stay connected with your friends your families our support systems is what is going to help us come out of this time even more because everybody is going through uh, uh, you know this time period and in that sense pandemic has been an equalizer all age groups all uh, you know backgrounds yes individually everybody would have been impacted differently yeah. but at some level this has been an equalizer yes. and which is why for us interconnectedness and continuing to stay connected is very important sharing our stories sharing what we've been going through and this is where also our life skill of empathetic listening comes into play sure sure that that that's a that's a great um answer namansa in terms of identifying taking measures pausing empathetic listening skills all coming together uh do you want to sort of uh to talk a bit about in terms of how the quality because everyone is stuck in a house and some people must be having more rooms and of course more sort of space for themselves and others might not be especially in a place like mumbai where families are stuck in small houses what kind of uh, the quality of the relationships or the equations between the parents and the kids that sort of uh, getting affected uh, you know in when you have a one to one with with the kids and with the parents you know what begins to happen when we are seeing each other all the time is that we become hyper vigilant of small small things and which is where we need to build tolerance we also need to build a lot more patience some of these basic things and at the same time we need to focus on connection over compliance which means what are some of the basic things that we are able to do that builds connection for example having conversations during the day in between work have a chit chat with your child talk about what happened in school in class was there something fun that happened what's happening with your friends peers specifically when it comes to adolescent they are engaged on social media there is so much that happens in their life when it comes to their peer relations getting to know a little more about that understanding listening of what they are going through having some of those conversations is very important and even bonding over you know some form of play or maybe some conversation that you or some information that you're hearing on news on media because this is where 
a lot of through your communication through your conversation you are going to build a lot of lot of skills whether it is empathy whether it is conflict resolution whether it is healthy relationship all of this is going to build in when you are focusing intently on building that connection with your child through communication and conversations on a day to day mm, basis lovely the bonding increasing your bonding and building the conversation but but tell me you mentioned about this the building your tolerance so when you talk about building your tolerance and patience in a, in times like these as you know somebody who has been listening day in day out sitting with kids sitting with parents what are the things that you would do that we can or tools that we can use to build our tolerance so i think it's very important when we are rushing from one thing to the mm. other uh, don't take enough pauses we don't take a step back to see if we are reacting to every small thing so i often say it's very important that we move towards responding to things and reacting and that can only happen when we take a pause and we recognize that you know what is it that i'm doing right now am i again getting into that irritable space and i'm just about to react scream shout yell mm. or mm. i am going to breathe in breathe out and respond to it mindfully mm. and which is where again our basic mindfulness skills come into yeah. play so basically awareness and mindful uh, mindfulness skills is what we also need to work upon on a day to day basis absolutely i mean practicing some of the basic breathing exercises that helps okay mm-hmm. and even in situations you know moving from one situation to the other mm-hmm. trying to be aware of even what emotion you're going through mm-hmm. and if you can i mean if you're feeling a bit irritable if you're feeling a bit overwhelmed if you're feeling a bit angry mm-hmm. then first ensuring that you recognize acknowledge that and you direct your energies to sort of calm yourself and then respond to a situation so maybe a couple of apps or or whatever anything that you would like to recommend that the listeners can sort of refer to go and check it out in terms of mindfulness skills or awareness skills so see i mean i practice very simple ways of mindfulness mm-hmm. one is i put on some nice instrumental mm-hmm. music i also a lot of classical mm. music so in the morning that's always playing in the background mm. and some part of the day i just put on some instrumental music and i just breathe in breathe out focusing on my breath and just focusing on the tone of i mean i like sitar i like flute so just focusing on the tone and the change of all of those things just 10 minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes you do it and you feel a lot better before you before you begin your day before beginning my day even in during the evening or in between if i feel that you know i would want to just sit and take that 5 minute break with myself mm. so i would do that also and sometimes what i would also do is you know just to sort of for the energy to go and have that kind of a playfulness also i also play with my 8 year old i would take a break for 15 uh-huh. minutes and i would play with mm-hmm. her or you know once the school gets over there is a fixed time that i have kept just to spend some time with her have a chit chat and play something small um, and that also reenergizes lovely <laughs> lovely because you yourself are a parent this would be like you know your you know handling yourself that's another big question and then of course handling the world outside handling yourself must be like a big challenge or a big thing for you in a, your day to day activity <laughs> so that's wow, that's brilliant okay tell me mansa in terms of and i i love your uh, the the topic of your book mental health in the classroom uh so this is something that caught my attention so uh, 
couple of things that you discuss in this book because i think this is a very important uh, topic and it starts starting with kids very early so couple of things that you would like to tell our listeners so the idea came in uh, you know we've been working with um, and and i look after the program school mental mm-hmm. health uh, we are connected with thousands of schools across the country and the idea was to utilize these 13 years in the best possible way to ensure that a child's mental well-being is in place mm. and when we talk about stigma when we talk about awareness this is where it begins so if you want to make an impactful change when it comes to mental health you have to start early mm-hmm. because by the time we reach a certain age our belief systems become rigid and we tend to have a lot of you know doubts and questions mm. so if you want to make a change you start early and the best way to do is first talk to teachers about it talk to teachers raise the awareness on what is mental health how does it how the language of what we've been using mm. when it comes to people with mental illness mm. also perpetuates stigma mm. and this also impacts are help seeking behavior mm. you know as simple as encouraging a child to seek help when they're not feeling emotionally well mm. they know when they're not feeling physically well to go to first aid room or put a bandaid and then go to play but they don't know what to do when they are not feeling emotionally well which means child may be feeling low child may be feeling extremely angry not connected with what's happening in class mm. that is also an important part of well being something may have happened at home and a child is not able to concentrate again mm. are we able to look at some of these elements also does a child come to seek help with you for some of these simple things as well so help seeking needs to be seen as a very normalized behavior mm. lovely that's another part and then of course when we do that when we start early awareness there is early intervention we address the stigma by bringing in the sensitive language the role of media mm. help seeking goes up then automatically a child's resilience become better and this is how we create an environment of positive mental health which is what we need in society absolutely and your second book which is again such an interesting topic uh, in such an interesting name raising confident kids uh, is something that you know i think it, it is now in the recent times that we've started paying attention to something that confidence needs to be cultivated a couple of things that you would like to tell our listeners about the book so this this is a book which talks about various parenting skills mm. so you know um, first parents need to apply these skills on themselves so <laughs> i hope no first we ourselves as confident parents when we are reading this book and then about our children how can we apply this to our children because a lot of this actually talks about you know it actually covers all the varied skills which is important in a parent child interaction so starting from first recognizing what your style is as a parent recognizing that confidence is a skill which can be inculcated mm. at what age does it become uh, start begin as early as 4 years which again you know these are some of the basic things that we are not aware as parents mm. then going on to the communication part the problem solving part emotional regulation part hmm. all these things i mean the gamut of things which are important as a part of skill to raise a confident child it takes you know whole 52 weeks to do that so you know and this is not just a one time thing it's a process yeah. 
you know, so raising a confident child is a process and it's about how we are able to develop a self which is strong enough, uh, which is which which turns out to be confident. And we always want our children to be happy and confident. You know, when you ask parents, that's one of the first things that they would want from their child. So which is where, uh, you know, this book comes into play. I mean, it talks about skills in very simple ways. It talks it gives you very hands on, uh, you know, applicable skills to work on with your child on a day-to-day basis. So how can you help yourself first uh, regulate emotions, then also help a child regulate emotions. And when I talk about regulation, I'm talking about, you know, managing anger, irritability, um, and managing that into in conversation also. How can you help a child? How do you help a child recognize emotions? Mm. How do you communicate? How do you not nag? How do you uh, encourage perseverance? How to uh, encourage internal drive in a child? How to support a child through failures? How to also uh, raise a child and provide a gender-sensitive environment? All of this is covered wow. in the book. Now, these are these are actually major life skills which all of us should actually read uh, to you know polish ourselves. Tell me, Mansa, in terms of now since the world is opening up, hopefully. Uh, now, when we see that from sudden isolation, we're going to be going back and facing the world. Uh, do you see, now you just mentioned earlier that there are kids who are beginning their first class on screen, which is, which is never heard of. And for them, the virtual world is actually the beginning of seeing the real world. When they go out in the world now, suddenly the kids, the first timers, going into the real interaction with the world, do you see that's going to sort of uh, in some way affect them, uh, a, a sudden behavioral change happening there, which might affect their mental health? Well, it's difficult mm. to say if there is going to be some impact of something like mm. this. But I also feel strongly that because for children, specifically as young as yeah. that, it is again to do with um, you know the most immediate atmosphere that a child gets within the home or from the school for them the connection the day to day is what is going to be most important so you don't forget to play just because you are not going to the playground sometime mm-hmm. and i hope that does not happen that once you go back to the playground yeah. you know children are to play again so it's the same way when a child is going to go to school it is going to be a similar transition that's going to happen whether they do it today or whether they do it after a year but the transition is going to be it has to be in fact a lot more sensitive to be able to again provide them the systematic desensitization there should not be any rush of getting into the academics i think emotional well-being will come first even when the schools open uh, for for a child uh, and to transition back into the world. Mm. Uh, Mamansa, you are working also with uh, so many NGOs, with schools, and you are uh, part of Fortis uh, uh, as well. Do you see in terms of the economic stratas any difference when it comes to the way a child looks? Like, for example, someone staying in a in in in, in not a very affluent or a middle class or a lower middle class, I would say, versus somebody who's coming from a rich background. When we talk about mental health, it's about various components. So even the quality of life is related to mental health. Um, And 
over there you know uh, on a continuum of mental health what is it the child is getting and how the environment is supportive enough conducive enough of course is going to have an impact on the mental health when it comes to mental illness since it has a biological component as well to it uh, it do, it does not uh, uh, you know sort of differentiate in that aspect mm-hmm. so for example a child who is from a poor socio economic yeah. strata might have a completely different environment which means he or she may not be going to school very regularly at this point in time of course does not maybe have uh, the digital support to go through schools yeah. is perhaps not getting the meals is also perhaps struggling with some of the basic things in the day to day and of course that is going to have an impact on mental mm. health so when a child was going to school was getting a midday meal was having a routine was going out of the house meeting a few friends um and school was a safe yeah. environment and now that's not there it is going to have an impact on mm. mental health but for a child who comes from a uh, you know highest socio economic strata for them that difference won't be there because the environment at home is going to be as conducive and they they have the basic amenities there and for them the the challenges might be very different it could be maybe the fact that they can't meet their friends yeah and the fact that they perhaps can't have that kind of uh, you know social get together that they're looking at and that's where our role comes in where we are able to help them look at uh, you know different simple small things in their day to day life which means your hobbies your interests um and how your support systems the relationships right now is what is more important and this is where you work with them to be able to provide them that kind of resilience Absolutely thank you so much Mimansa I think this was uh, there's some great pointers for everyday doing for us um which is kids parents even and uh, the not married ones without kids as well the point is that you gave today were brilliant and I hope we can sort of follow them every day and uh, thank you so much for your time thank you Sachita So the key words for me from today's episode is bonding, tolerance, patience, mindfulness, awareness, increasing empathetic listening, taking breaks, pauses, unwind. Folks, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Take care and have a great week ahead.